So today we are finishing up our series called The Remnant. And if you're looking at this shirt, you probably saw this, you're like, what is that shirt? Look at this. This, uh, this is the one that was given to me last week. So if you weren't with us last week, how great is this? Somebody made me this shirt. Get remnant ready. Come on, turn to somebody in your neighborhood gathering and tell them, get remnant ready. I, I almost wish this wasn't the last week of this series. This has been one of my favorite ever that we've done. I think this is going to go down as one that we will all remember. Now, if you're just joining us for this series, I encourage you to go back and listen to the past two weeks because you are part of the remnant. Now, what is, what is the remnant? Throughout Scripture, we see that whenever destruction or trials would come to the nation of Israel, God would always look for a remnant, a group of people who were faithful to him, and he would use that remnant to rebuild and to restore the nation. And I believe we are living in that time, that God is raising up a remnant. We've gone through a very, very difficult time, and I believe what God is doing right now is he is using you and he's using me and we are the remnant, and we are rebuilding and restoring the church in the image of Christ. So I want to thank you for that. So just turn to somebody in, in your gathering right now. Tell them, you are the remnant. You are the remnant. Now remember, the remnant, remnant have a responsibility. So what is that responsibility? We've been talking about that every week, and today I want to talk about remnant revival. Who, who is hungry for some revival? Oh, man, old school revival. Get in the tent, cue the Southern Gospel group, and let's get some revival. Let's get some of those colored little foam pads over the microphones. Let's go old school. Let's make it happen. Remnant revival. So if you have a Bible, let's go to Ezra. That's in the Old Testament. Now, if you're new to the scriptures, you're like, I ain't got no clue where Ezra is. Hey, get version. That's a great app, and you can scroll, and you can find Ezra, E. Z-R-A, Ezra. And let me give you some background. While you're looking, Ezra chapter 9 is where we're going to be. We're only going to read one verse today. Uh, and frankly, this is because this, this message today really was supposed to be last week too, but last week's grew into two weeks. I don't know how that can happen because last week I only preached one verse, and today I'm only preaching one verse. So you might be thinking, hey, we're going to be out of here in like 15 minutes. This is great. Maybe. We'll see. So Ezra, if you're new to the scriptures, Ezra is in the Old Testament. So this is before Jesus. And, and the, the nation of Israel has been conquered by Babylon. And, and they have been taken into slavery back to Babylon. It's been 70 years. The temple has been destroyed. The walls have been destroyed in Jerusalem. And now God raises up this prophet. His name is Ezra. And he leads this remnant, this small group of people, back to Jerusalem to re build the temple for the glory of God. And we're just going to read one verse. Ezra chapter 9, look with me at just verse 9. Ezra says this, for we were slaves, but in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. Instead, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. He revived us. Remnant Revival. He, he revived us. Turn to somebody and tell them he's getting ready to revive you. He's getting ready to revive you. So he has revived us so that we could rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. He has given us a protective wall in Judah and Jerusalem. Let's pray. God, in these few minutes that we have together, we just ask in all of these gatherings, there's so many distractions when we gather and so many things that are vying for our attention, but you have a word for us to hear today. And so 
I thank you for those who are watching right now because they are part of the remnant. I know they're hungry. I know they're leaning in. And I know, God, you're going to speak to them today and rise us up to do great things for your glory in Jesus' name. And in your gathering, everybody say amen. Amen. All right, so I know that uh, this whole time you've been looking at me and you've been thinking, something's different about Brad today. I, I, I can't put my finger on it. He, uh, he just looks a little more rugged, you know, a little more manly. He, he, he just looks tougher, you know. Like, has he been working out? Um, is, it, is, it, is it the shirt? Uh, no, no. Um, I got a new leaf blower. Mm-hmm. Yep. Husqvarna. Mm, does that, is that, I don't even know what that is. It just sounds manly, Husqvarna. Like, yeah, every man should have a Husqvarna. And so I, had to, I bought this Husqvarna, two cycle. I don't even know what that means, honestly. <laughs> but I was like, eh, that's, that's the one you want. It's a, it's a two cycle. And so I, I got this Husqvarna. I, it's a Swedish, by the way, it's a, I found out it's a Swedish company. And that's a Swedish word that actually translated into English means manly man. So there you go. Hey, Google, Google Translate it. Check it. See if I'm wrong on that. So the, <laughs> the reason I got a, a new leaf blower uh, was... Well, because my old one wore out. Have you, have you ever held on to something too long, you know, and you just kind of nurse it along, and then there comes this point where you go, all right, it's time to get a new one. And so this one, my old leaf blower, I had put duct tape on the, on the nozzle, okay, and it worked great. I, I did that five years ago, okay? Works perfectly all summer. I mean, it doesn't work very well in August because the heat just kind of has the glue wear off, but August is the only trouble I ever had with it. Well, well, two seasons ago, the bottom fell off of the leaf blower. Like It just fell right off. Now, that's an important part. If you're not a leaf blower person, that's an important part because that's where the fan is. I didn't know that. I self-discovered that one day when I was, and put my hand to steady it, and pop, 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 pop it hit all four of these fingers. And thank the Lord, all four of these fingers are still here. So what did I do? Did I go out and get a new one? No, no. I got some Gorilla Glue. I was like, I just Gorilla Glued, popped that bad boy right back on there. Good to go. Last year, fell off again. I learned my lesson. Don't stick your hand underneath there. Get more Gorilla Glue. Gorilla Glued it back on. Finally, this season, I bring it out. It pops back off, and I'm like, okay, all right. It's time to ditch this old leaf blower. It's time to get a new one. Listen, for so many followers of Jesus, they are living their lives like that old leaf blower. Like Jesus is like duct tape and gorilla glue, just kind of holding things together in their lives. And, they, they, and they're, they're struggling, and they, and they don't know why. They, they're stuck in old patterns and old habits and, and old sinful consequences, and they're, they're dealing still with their past and been unable to let it go, and they're just kind of holding it together with a little bit of Jesus. They've been forgiven, but they've never really been set free or lived free. And here's what you need to know. Jesus didn't come just to forgive your sins. He came to set you free. The Apostle Paul reminds us of this in Galatians 2.20. He says it this way, my old self, 
okay? My, my, my old life, my, my old leaf blower. My old life has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. This, this is what revival is all about. It's, it's exchanging my old life, my old habits, my old patterns, my, my old sinful behaviors for a new life in Christ. So today we're going to talk about remnant revival, and it's in this story that we discover and we learn what it means to live that kind of life. Look, look again at the story, verse, verse 9. Ezra, again, he says this, he revived us. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you, my friend, have been revived. You, my friend, have been revived. Remember, this is a group of people who have who've been enslaved. They, they, they've been oppressed for 70 years. They've been abused and taken advantage of. They, they have no rights, and all their hope is gone but God. Come on, somebody. But God. God had not forgotten his people. No, God at the right time came and he raised up this prophet named Ezra and he set the captives free. Can you imagine after 70 years of oppression suddenly discovering they're going to be set free and they're walking. They take this walk. The scriptures talk about taking this walk back to Jerusalem. That, that must have been the most amazing, joy-filled celebration ever. Like it reminds me of, you remember when you were a kid and your parents would, would tell you, hey, we're going to Disney World. Or, or maybe they say, hey, we're going to Six Flags. Or if your family was on a budget like my family was, so we're going to Bells. <laughs> going to ride the Zingo. Can't wait. No, but do you remember that, like the anticipation of that as a kid? Like when you get in the car and you're like, you're thinking about the rides and you're thinking about the, the candy and the pop and the walks and, and the lines and you just think about all the joy of the day and you get there and you see the parking lot and you get out and there's this anticipation like you're wanting, you're just wanting to leap towards the entrance. This is how the children of Israel are feeling the excitement they're having. I, I love it because it's recorded in Psalm 126. It kind of records what that walk was like for them. It says this, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. Listen, you and I, we, we were slaves. Slaves to sin, no, no hope of freedom, being held captive and, and Christ came at just the right time to set us free and to lead us us home like we are free we should live free we our sin is dead it is gone we are slaves no more the apostle paul again he's writing to the romans and he says it this way to the romans we know that our old sinful selves they were crucified with christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives and say this with me we are no longer slaves to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. You have been set free. God has revived you. You have been revived. Listen, he hasn't resuscitated you. He's resurrected you. There's a big difference between resuscitation and resurrection. Like when you have been resuscitated, you have been revived, but it's still the same you. But when you have been resurrected, 
You have been revived, and it's not you anymore, but it's Christ who's given you a new life, and it's Christ in you. Write this down. A remnant revival releases resurrection power in me. Let me say that again. A remnant revival releases resurrection power in me. Think about this. Jesus' body laid dead in that tomb. Human, dead, three days, but the spirit of the living God came and breathed resurrection power into the Son of God, raised him to life, and he walked out of that tomb. The Holy Spirit has done the same thing to you and the same thing to me. He has breathed his resurrection power in you so that you can walk out of your tomb. Let me say it another way. He, he has... He, he has breathed his DNA into you. It's a holy transfer of his power from God to you so that you can live free and completely free. Not just partially free, not just your sins forgiven, but mind, body, soul, and spirit all walking in freedom. So what tomb are you living in right now? Like where is it dark in your life? Where can you smell the, the stench of death? God does not want you trapped in that tomb. No, he, he wants to set you free. He wants to roll that stone away so that you can walk into freedom. John 11 is a great picture of the kind of resurrection power that, that Jesus wants us to walk in. Some of you are familiar with the story of Lazarus. Jesus' friend was Lazarus and really good friend, one of his best friends. And he hears that Lazarus has died and so he goes to visit Lazarus' tomb. It's been four days. Lazarus has been dead four days. His family is distraught. They're broken. They say, man, Jesus, if you'd just been here, my, he wouldn't have died and and Jesus says, hey, roll the stone aside because he's going to do a miracle. And they're like, bad idea. And he actually says this in Scripture. The stench will be awful. Like, no, bad idea. He said, no, roll the stone away. And Jesus says these words, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. I believe that God is calling your name right now. He's calling you out of that tomb. He's saying to you, Come out of that tomb. Come out of that grave. Walk into your freedom. Listen, you may have been in that tomb for four days, four weeks, or maybe it's been four years, but God wants to set you free today from depression. He wants you to walk out of that tomb of self-hatred. He wants you to walk out of that tomb of loneliness and despair and brokenness and sin and shame. He wants you to walk out of that tomb of abuse. You don't have to stay there any longer. You can walk out of that. That's not who you are. God wants to give you a new name and a new life and get you to walk in freedom today. This is who our God is. This is what he wants to do. A remnant revival releases resurrection power in me. So as the remnant, we've been revived. 
And with that comes responsibility. And when we look at this story, the remnant who returned to Jerusalem, they, they were also given a responsibility. Look what Ezra says to them in, in verse 9. It says, he revived us so we could, say this with me in your neighborhood gathering, so we could what? Rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. And what you got to remember is the temple had been destroyed by the Babylonians. And it, it laid in ruin. The walls, the temple, everything destroyed laid in ruins for over 70 years. No one's worshiping in Jerusalem, where the temple is. Like, no one's worshiping. But God raises up this remnant, and they go back to Jerusalem, and they rebuild, and they restore the temple, and they reestablish worship. Write this down. A remnant revival in me releases resurrection power in the church. A remnant revival in me releases resurrection power in the church. Let's look at the Apostle Paul again. This time he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says this to them. Awake. Oh, he's talking to the church. Let me see. He's talking to the church here. Not talking to people that don't know Jesus. He's talking to the church. And he says to the church, awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ's light will shine on you. I don't know if uh, you or someone you know suffers from sleep apnea. Uh, for years, Laura swore that I did because uh, she said that in the middle of the night, I, I, I would stop breathing. Like, I'd be like. And she said she'd have this look on her face like, breathe! <laughs> and I'd be like, uh, yeah. So, so she finally said, you are going and getting a test done. You're, I'm going to have a heart attack. I, you, you can't do this to me anymore. So I go down, I, I get the sleep study done. I don't know if you've ever had one of these done before. Oh, my goodness. They, I, I think every person who goes through it, like they hook you up with these wires. They got a guy. They got cameras on. They're looking at you sleeping all night. And they got a guy on an intercom talking to you. It's like somebody's over you at night going, how you doing, Mr. Farnsworth? That, that's just weird. It's so, I, no wonder everybody who comes out of there has sleep apnea because you ain't sleeping. I mean, it's ridiculous. So anyway, I, I go, I get the study done, and I find out I don't have it, which I was thanking the Lord because telling you there's nothing sexier than one of those CPAP machines you know like baby <laughs> it's just nothing it's nothing sexier than that oh my goodness hey, listen the remnant the remnant have a responsibility to awaken the church and to awaken those who have fallen asleep several years ago Laura had a, had this dream and in this dream we were in this gymnasium and we were walking around and everyone was laying on the floor and they were sound asleep. And she keeps coming back to this over and over. And this verse is when she, when God gave her this verse when she had that dream. And we were going around and we were waking up all of these people who had fallen asleep. The enemy has lulled the church to sleep. And most people don't even recognize it. So many people have drifted and they've fallen asleep. They've become passive instead of passionate. And God is calling you and he's calling me to reawaken his 
church? Like, who do you know that has fallen asleep? Who do you know that's falling asleep? Like, who do you know that is, that is drifted? Listen, I want to encourage you. I, I want to challenge you, man, to go to them, to, to speak to them, text them, call them, take them to coffee. Too much is at stake here. We need to awaken the church so that we can do what God has called us to do. A remnant revival in me releases resurrection power in the church. But it also does one more thing. Go back to verse 9. It says this, he has given us a protective wall in Judah and Jerusalem. So shortly after Ezra came and he rebuilt the temple, this guy named Nehemiah came, and then he rebuilt the walls around Jerusalem. And Nehemiah did something very interesting. He he got all of the people involved. He didn't just have a building crew come in. He said, no, everybody's going to have a part in this. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, you got a part to play. You have got a part to play. All of us have a part in the rebuilding. And so what he did, very unique, is he had people stationed where they worked and where they lived. And that was the part of the wall that God was calling them to rebuild. This is who we are at Core Church. We all understand this. Come on, we are all missionaries on mission, assigned to a mission field. We've got a place on the wall. God has uniquely placed you in that neighborhood. You're gonna, you're gonna go to work today or tomorrow, and guess what? You go to that workplace, it ain't by accident. God has you working next to those people for a reason, to help rebuild their lives with the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus. That campus you're on, that dorm room, that apartment that you live in, you're there on purpose for a purpose. God wants to use you to rebuild people's lives in our city. Write this down, a remnant revival in the church releases resurrection power in the city. There is no revival in the city until there is revival in the church. And there is no revival in the church until there is revival in me. So it starts with me, it moves to the church, and then a remnant revival in the church releases resurrection power in the city. I believe it is time for a remnant revival. It it is time to get remnant ready. Come on, turn to somebody as we finish up this series and just tell them, get remnant ready.